Good evening. Welcome to Theos with me, Samuel Nason, and I hope uh, we've made some changes today, and uh, that has resulted in a little bit of delay. Uh, we hope the sound quality is good. If not, do feel free to let us know in the comment section, uh, and uh, we hope that uh, this this session will be helpful to you to help you better explain your faith. And if you are new to Explain International, do feel free to uh, either write to us. Uh, in explain international or well, explain apologetics at gmail.com. We're still in the midst of updating uh, the details of our ministry uh, as we've just uh, we've just tried to uh, merge with City Light Network. And so uh, you will find some of the details on how you can reach us if you're new to explain down below. That's www.explaininternational.com. Um, and also, as I said, you could write to us in explain apologetics at gmail.com. Very well then, uh, we are now live on the deity of Christ, which is really the focus for our show. And we will be specifically engaging one particular claim today, that is the objection, which is usually phrased in the form of a question. And the question is, where did Jesus claim, I am God? Now, if you've been uh, a Christian for a while and you've, uh, you know, you believe strongly and express belief in the deity of Christ, you're likely to run into people who tell you uh, where did Jesus claim he is God. And this question uh, very often comes across in uh, uh, a number of different ways. Number one, it's meant to show that because Jesus did not claim he is God, therefore you shouldn't be believing that Jesus is God. Um, and th there's a second way, of course, the Christian comes about, which is to make the Christian wonder, why is it that Christianity believes in God, even if Jesus himself did not claim he is God? So there are two ways in which the Christian really comes about. Um, and of course, in the second approach, uh, the approach of the questioner will be to take you to uh, and say, well, you know, the deity of Christ, uh, the idea that Jesus is God, was something that was developed in the Council of Nicaea. It was something that the church voted upon. It's something that Christians made up centuries after the earliest disciples of Jesus died because even the earliest disciples of Jesus did not claim him uh, to be God. Now, to be clear, uh, we believe without a doubt that the scripture is clear that Jesus is God. But today's question is not going to be does the Bible teach Jesus is God, and if you, you want to see passages in the Bible that do that, you can look at some of our previous videos that covered that topic. Today's question is specifically going to be not even Jesus' self-understanding, but Jesus claiming the exact phrase, I am God. There are going to be a couple of ways in which we approach this, and hopefully we are going to find uh, some comments coming on. Uh, good to see some of you as well uh, early on, High Slam. Hi, uh, Sernang, and hi, Jack Kazanjan. Uh, it's a joy to see some of you in the live chat. So with that, let's go straight to the topic. Where did Jesus claim, I am God? Now, you can search through the entire New Testament, the four Gospels, and the book of Revelation, and the book of Acts, and you will find that that phrase in those exact words uh, do not exist. Uh, the closest one will come to them uh, is when Jesus said to the devil at the temptation, uh, you know, Jesus says to him, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And one could make the inference that Jesus was referring to himself. 
as the Lord and God of Satan himself, since Jesus was the one being tested. But let's leave that aside and just focus specifically on the question, where did Jesus claim I am God and why is that, that exact phrase not there in the Gospels? To begin with, let's define what God is. Because when we define God, what God is, we, we, we begin to narrow down why exactly uh, this term is not there in the Gospels. First and foremost, it, it, it matters big time whether you're make, approaching this definition from the biblical point of view or whether you're approaching it from a non-biblical point of view. What do I mean? Well, if you're not a Christian, what do you mean when you say God? If we speak to our uh, Hindu friends, our Hindu friends have an understanding of God that's very different from Christians. You know, Hindus do believe that there are many gods, or there are some Hindus that believe there is one God, the great soul, who manifests himself uh, in different forms. Others, of course, uh, like Buddhists, uh, would believe that in its classical view that God is uh, not necessary. It, I mean, I'm not sure if Buddhism in its classical form would actually say that God does not exist. I don't think it's atheistic, but it certainly seems to be non-theistic. So in the sense that God is thereby defined as the supreme force of the universe. Um, in that sense, uh, whether or not Buddhism sees that there is a God or not is unclear. But of course, some people, we know them as pantheists. They believe that all is God. And they use the word God to mean the universe. Everything in the word pan in the Greek means all. Uh, and so all is God. Everything is God. And then you have a worldview known as panentheism, which is that God is in all, uh, all in God, and that everything contains uh, some expression of the divine. So when we look through all these various understandings of what God is, we have to bear in mind that when the Christian says Jesus is God, he or she does not mean that Jesus is God in the same way that these different religions, non-Christian religions, define God. So when we are making a claim that Jesus is God, we mean something very different because Christians, like Muslims, believe, and Jews, believe that God is one. Christians believe in the oneness of God. And that is explicitly stated forth in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So when Christians believe that God is one, the next question is, what does God mean in this Christian worldview? In, 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 as far as the Old Testament is concerned, God is this being who actually brings the people of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And we can go into uh, the arguments that uh, has been popularized by Brother Anthony Rogers on uh, the plurality within the Godhead in the Old Testament. That's a subject for a different day. But when we come to the New Testament and we use the word God, they're primarily referring to uh, the person in the Old Testament. Uh, who brought the people out of Egypt. I'm going to get into and pass these details, but it's important to realize when we ask the question, is Jesus God? We've always got to begin by defining what we mean by the term God. So let me ask you, is Jesus God? And before you jump in to say yes or no, the question you really should be asking is, what do you mean by God? If, for example, 
the word God means like the Jehovah's Witness claim uh, that Jesus was a God uh, in that he is like a demigod, you know, inferior in substance to the Father. Then the answer is no. Uh, no, Jesus is not God, if that's your definition of God. If the definition of God is that the force behind the universe, the force that fills everything in the pantheistic worldview, and the Christian is asked, do you believe that Jesus is God? Our answer should be, as a Christian, no, we don't believe Jesus is God. Not by that definition. Because while we are eager and rightly should be to claim that Jesus is God, it's more important to define what we do mean by the phrase, Jesus is God. So if the definitions don't match, it's better to say, no, not in that sense. Jesus is not God. But how does that help us answer the question of today's discussion? The question that nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus claim, I am God. To answer that, uh, let's go through what does the New Testament say about God predominantly in the Synoptic Gospels, which are the first three Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke. And when you look through these three Gospels, and may I add, Paul's writings, we find predominantly, not always, but predominantly, that God is used to refer to one particular person. Let's look through some passages in scriptures. And I do apologize, unlike the other weeks, we don't really have the slides up to be able to give uh, clarity on that. But here goes. Um, when you look through 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse, uh, verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, it says, Yet for, for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things come and through whom we live. Let's pause for a moment. Paul says there is one God, and that God is the Father. And you, if you're a Christian, you ought to stop here and say, hang on a minute, doesn't that mean that Paul is saying Jesus is not God? The answer is yes and no. Yes, in the sense that God refers to the Father. If God is defined as the Father, the first person of the blessed Trinity, then Jesus is not God. In that, he is not the Father. In fact, Paul describes Jesus as Lord. Now, does that mean that Jesus is not divine? No, that's not, obviously, that's not what Paul is saying. But Paul uses the word God Theos, the name of our program, to denote God the Father. He uses the word Lord, Kyrios, to denote or to refer to God the Son. And when you look through that and we understand that the New Testament is using these terms differently in the way that, for example, we would use them in our modern, modern usage, it begins to be clear, we get a hint, why Jesus did not claim to be God. Let's look at a few more passages. In fact, look through any of the opening lines of Paul's epistle. You would find the following greetings. First Corinthians 1 verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Philippians 1, 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 1, 2. And 2 Corinthians 1, 2. And 1 Thessalonians. And 2 Thessalonians 1, 1, 1, 1, 2. You find the same greeting. Paul distinguishes between God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before anyone who denies Jesus' deity jumps on and says, there you go, Jesus is not God, we have to again remember what I said at the start. Definitions are key. What do we mean when we say God? Or depending on which religion you're talking about, in the Old Testament, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created. Is Jesus God in the sense of Genesis 1-1? God created the heavens and the earth. The answer is an absolute yes. Even, but the very worst that Paul cites, uh, that Paul uh, writes in 1 Corinthians, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6. So where Paul says, there is one God from whom all things come and one Lord through whom, Jesus, through whom all things come. Paul is referring to creation. He's going back to Genesis 1. In fact, that's exactly what John, the apostle, does in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, because God created by his word. Remember, he says in Genesis 1, and the Lord said, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, and God said, let there be light. So when you come to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. You have God used in two different senses in John 1.1. 1, 1. You have God used in the sense of the word was with God. God With God means with the Father. And then the word was God. The word was divine. So clearly you find God being used in two different ways, even in John chapter 1, verse 1. In fact, if you scroll down to John 1.18, you find God being used in two different ways as well. In John 1.18, it says... For no, no one has seen God, Theos, but the begotten God, the monogenes Theos, the begotten God, who is at the right hand of the Father, he has made him known. So the begotten God, who is God the Son, has made God the Father known. So that when you go through the Old Testament and you ask, who are the people seeing? Who did Jacob see? Who did uh, Abraham see? Who did all Isaiah see in Isaiah chapter 6 in his vision? Who did Abraham see in Genesis chapter 22 on the Mount of Moriah when he was to, where he was to sacrifice his son? Who did Moses see? And you put the answer together and the answer becomes clear. All these people in the Old Testament saw Jesus because Jesus is God in the Old Testament definition of God which is the triune God, because in the Old Testament, God communes within himself. God says in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. There seems to be a, a unity and diversity within the community of the Godhead in Genesis 1. So, but when you come to the New Testament, God typically refers to the Father. So when God refers to the Father, let's now unwind and say, uh, draw this to a close by saying, if God refers to the Father in the New Testament, predominantly, until, unless, I mean, with the exception of the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John uses both, God for the Father and God for Jesus. But with the other Gospels, the earliest Gospels, we find that 
the word God is predominantly used of the Father. And in that sense, it is, it's so good. We ought to be thankful as Christians that Jesus did not claim to be God. Why? If Jesus claimed to be God, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say we ought to be thankful. I'm saying it adds clarity to the doctrine of the Trinity that Jesus did not claim to be God. Because if Jesus claimed to be God, that would refute the doctrine of the Trinity. It would completely refute the Trinity because Jesus would be claiming he is the Father. So when our non-Christian friends ask us, show me where Jesus claims I am God, we've got to hang on and see. we've got to tell them, hang on one minute. If Jesus claimed to be God, I could no longer believe in the Trinity because the predominant use of the word God was the Father. Jesus was claiming, if Jesus claimed to be God, he was claiming to be the Father. And that would destroy the doctrine of the Trinity. So Jesus was not the Father. Jesus makes it very clear that even though I and the Father are one, he makes that clear, I think it's in John 10, 29 or John 10, 30. Uh, Jesus makes that statement, the Father and I are one. And elsewhere, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He always distinguishes between himself and the Father. And that's what we see throughout the sayings of Jesus, where he's distinguished from the Father. And uh, in the writings of Paul, where Jesus is referred to as Lord and the Father referred to as God. And if you know your Old Testament, you will know that Lord and God are used interchangeably in reference to the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Where do we get that idea from? Let's go back. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. Do you see how Lord, God, Lord are used in that context? Shema Israel, Yahweh Elohinu, Yahweh Echad. It's all there. It's Elohinu is there, thy God. Uh, Yahweh is there, the Lord. And it's, it demonstrates that Jesus is divine. If anyone wants to make the argument that just because the word Lord is used of Jesus and not God, they don't understand the Old Testament, which refers to Yahweh as the Lord. The, the God who is set apart from the other gods of the world. When I say gods, we're talking about all the forces of the world. Yahweh, the Lord, is unique. He stands above them. And so that title is used for Jesus Christ. That is the title that is used so much so that if you are going to be saved according to the Apostle Paul, there is no salvation unless we say Jesus is Lord. In fact, that's the argument in Philippians chapter 2. That one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's taken from the Yahweh of the Old Testament. So why did Jesus not claim to be God? He didn't claim to be God because he is not the Father. And God predominantly refers to the Father. Then what then was Jesus claiming? Why do Christians worship him as God? Christians worship Jesus as God for a simple reason. Because he's divine. He is of divine quality. Where do you get that from? In the fact that Jesus, while not claiming to be God, claims equality with God. That was the charge that was commonly leveled against Jesus. Not that he claimed to be God, but that he claimed equality with God. Can you see how that's a very fine but important difference? 
There's a difference between claiming I'm God and there's a difference claiming I'm equal to God in that whatever the Father can do, the Son also does. That's what Jesus says in John 5. He's always claiming equality with God. If you want to go back to the parable of the prodigal son, which was about two weeks ago, where I demonstrated why Jesus assumed himself to be equal to the Father, uh, go back there and you will see the exact same thing. In the Gospels, Jesus is not trying to claim to be God, in which God is defined as the Father. Rather, he's claiming equality with God, which is why he was charged with blasphemy at his trial before the Jewish Sanhedrin. And I wish our friends could challenge us with this question. Where did Jesus claim to be God? Would take the time and effort to realize why is it that Jesus did not use that phrase, I am God, and why because he doesn't use that phrase, he is not claiming to be the father, and that gives us reason, biblical grounds, and solely built from the word of God revealed to us that not only is Jesus divine in nature uh, and, and equal to the father, according to Philippians 2, but that we have a triune God uh, who has revealed himself to us in the blessed Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All right, guys, if you have any questions, uh, do feel free to type them in the uh, comment section and uh, we'll try and get them uh, to, uh, we'll try to be, basically be able to respond to as many as we can. Uh, all right, Jack Kazanjian, uh, blessings to you, brother. That this new timing is better for me. At least I can watch live. Yeah, I, I do realize, Jack, you're watching this from Europe. And uh, thanks, thanks very much. Uh, and I, I think that this was going to be our new timing because previously we were trying to cater it to the US time. And uh, I guess that uh, following the Asian time at night, uh, you know, seems to be better for most people. So thanks, Jack, for that. Uh, well, uh, Slam, we do thank you as usual for your support. Uh, and uh, all right, um, let me see if there is any questions here. Um, Joe Chris says, good morning, friends. I hope you are all doing wonderful. Jesus is Lord. Indeed, he is. Uh, thank you, Joe. Good morning to you as well. Uh, those of you from the US, of course, it's good morning. Those of us in Asia, uh, it is good evening. Uh, and okay, we do have a quiz. Oh, thank you. I uh, really appreciate that comment, Joash. Um, and uh, there seems to be a question from Joash. Do we have it? Okay, here it is. It seems that the audience of that time un, of that time understand that God is always referring to the Father, and therefore Jesus needed to make a distinction because the Son is not the Father. Um, I wouldn't use the word always. There are some exceptions. Paul, for example, in Romans chapter 9, refers to Jesus, uh, who is God overall, blessed forever, amen. That's Romans chapter 9, verse 4 or 5. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the, even uh, well, uh, the Apostle Paul does use that term for Jesus. Uh, we do find Thomas, for example, uh, who goes on his, on his uh, you know, knees and says, he falls, and he says that, my Lord and my God, you know, well, I'm not sure if he fell on his knees, but... Uh, Okay, my memory is a little bit hazy of that part, but he does say in the Greek called Koriosmo of Theosmo, God of me, Lord of me. That's what uh, Thomas says when he sees Jesus. So Thomas clearly is using the word God uh, to Jesus because the text tells us he said this to Jesus. So yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's uh, one of those reasons why I think 
that uh, we, we, I wouldn't use the phrase always. I wouldn't use the word always. That this always meant father. It always meant son predominantly. And I think Jesus uh, being the master teacher that he was, was always accommodating himself to the understanding of his listeners, uh, not confusing them. But he made no mistake that he was God. He forgave people's sins as God did. Uh, he, he commanded demons as God did. Uh, he does miracles that God did. Maybe that's going to be another live stream where we look at how the miracles that Jesus did replicates God's actions in the Old Testament. Uh, but yeah, uh, he clearly made himself equal to God. And in fact, that was the charge leveled against him by all the Jewish people who understood what he was doing. Uh, great. Did Jesus call himself Lord? Absolutely, Joel. That is a great question. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Uh, it's one of those places where Jesus called himself Lord. Um, so, yes. Uh, and Jesus says, uh, you know, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, and so what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath? I was recently teaching Greek. Uh, and we still, we still are, those of you who are interested in learning Greek, uh, do feel free to write to us because we, we are in the midst of recording material, Dr. Stephen Boyce and myself, uh, recording uh, our Greek lectures. In fact, the next class is going to be uh, in a few hours, in about 12 hours, uh, we're going to be having our next Greek class. But uh, yeah, in the Greek, we were coming to this passage where it says the Son of Man is, Lo is Lord of the Sabbath. Actually, in the Greek, it reads it in this way. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus is ex explicitly claiming, I am Lord. Uh, so yes, uh, to answer your question, Joel, he is. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's go to Stephen's question. Uh, what passage would you go first uh, in the synoptics to defend the deity of Christ? Man, I'm lost for choice there, Stephen. I think that uh, there's so many passages that I could go. The reason why I'm gonna hesitate on this one is because all of them are good. Start from Matthew chapter one uh, and demonstrate that uh, when the Bible says you will call his name Jesus, uh, which really talks about God saving because he will save his people from their sins. The angel is actually calling Jesus God. Uh, if you want to talk about the deity of Christ, look, I mean, last week we looked at why the Magi worshipped the baby Jesus. You know, we get this question, where did Jesus say, worship me? Friends, he didn't need to say worship me. He was worshipped as an infant. I mean, these guys, the Magi, go, I mean, if you want to check out that video that I did explaining why the Magi worship Jesus, uh, that uh, was actually streamed last week, a week ago. So go to that and you will see that the Magi, the wise men from the East, not Jewish people, not people who misunderstood Jesus, they saw the stars, they saw the biblical prophecies, they came to the idea that Jesus is God. And they go all the way to Jerusalem and go to Herod the king. Remember, they're going to the king and they ask the king, where is the newborn king? We have come from afar to worship him. So you don't need Jesus claiming to be God or to claim worship me. He was worshiped as an infant before he could even say anything. That's, that's what the synopsis, and this is, by the way, Matthew chapter 2. Second chapter in Matthew, uh, you, we, we just need to keep going down and down and you find there's so many places that Jesus actually claims to be God. Um, my favorite would be to start there just because it's early on. Without him even saying anything, he receives worship. Uh, and yeah, uh, those are some of the passages I would go to uh, in the synoptics, just beginning with there and just keep going. If you go to Mark's gospel, Mark's gospel is the 
a really amazing gospel to go to argue for the deity of Jesus. Mark chapter 1 uh, says that John the Baptist is going to be sent to prepare the way for the Lord. If you look through the Old Testament, he's, the messenger is sent to prepare the way for Yahweh, uh, God. And in the New Testament, John the Baptist, the messenger, the same Old Testament passage is used, except he is preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus, therefore, is God. So, I mean, there are just so many an abundance of passages we could choose from uh, if you're going to discuss um, uh, passages to pick from as to, to show where Jesus is God. And by the way, just look, we, when we look at the passages where Jesus forgives sins, he forgave sins as the offended party. And this is a part where many people misunderstand or they, they really are trying to avoid the conclusion that Jesus just forgave sins. As if he, as if uh, you know, he was uh, the offended party. That's why we say that Jesus is God, because all sins are committed against God, and Jesus uh, basically acts as if he's the offended party to the sins. Jesus treats the angels as if they are his own ministering spirits, even though the Old Testament says that the angels are ministering spirits of God. Uh, he treats them, and for example, in uh, the parable of the weeds and tares, Jesus says, "The Son of Man will send his angels." as if he is dispensing of angels anytime he wants to. Hang on, the angels belong to God. Yeah, well, Jesus believes that whatever belongs to God belongs to him, so he can dispense them. So to, again, uh, I've got too many places to start with, Stephen. I would just go with the earliest part of any of those Gospels, whether it's the Gospel of Luke, where uh, even before Jesus is born, Elizabeth says that Mary is the mother of her Lord. Um, it's just all over the place, you know, we could go to, to talk about the deity. Uh, of Jesus. All right, next question. Uh, all right, uh, this is from Joel again. Uh, thank you, Joel, for your question. To add Jesus's own mouth in the oh yeah yeah, which which I kind of assumed uh, that that's where <laughs> that's where you're going you're going to say that. Thank you uh, for your response, Joel. Uh, well, uh, Slam asks, John chapter 8, verse 58 to 59, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up the stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Yep, uh, that's, uh, of course, Stephen's question was uh, on the Synoptic Gospels, which is the first three Gospels. But this one is a really good one as well, Slam, uh, where the Jews understood what he was saying. Jesus is actually saying that Abraham saw him and rejoiced. And the Jews are going, wait, you're not even 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? And Jesus like, before Abraham was, I am. And the phrase ego eimi in the Greek, I am, is the exact words that God uses in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, in Hebrew, when he speaks to Moses out of the burning bush and says that I am is the one who is sending Moses. So Jesus is claiming to be the God who spoke through Moses, to Moses from the burning bush. No wonder the Jews picked up stones to stone at him. It's, it, it's interesting that even Jesus' enemies wouldn't dispute that Jesus are ma is making the claim that Christians believe in. Uh, Jesus' enemies are in agreement. Uh, Jesus' followers are in agreement. Why then would people uh, cast doubt on such clear passages that teach Jesus' deity? That would be a, that's a real mystery to me. Uh, Thank you, Marcus, for your question. What are your thoughts on the pre-incarnate appearances of Christ in the Old Testament? My thoughts are that they are profound. Uh, you find Jesus appearing in the Old Testament in many different places. I mean, let me just give one. In Isaiah chapter 6, 
uh, in ICH. I mean, of course, pr primarily, I should note that the pre-incarnate appearances are normally tied to uh, Jesus as appearing as God, Christophanies, uh, you know, where he appears to Abraham, he appears to, um, well, he appears to Abraham, and then he appears to Jacob, wrestles with Jacob. Uh, but let me pick one passage where I think it's really, really interesting how the New Testament ties it with the Old. Uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, the prophet Isaiah says, he sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his temple, uh, the train of his robe fills the temple. And what happens right after that is that Isaiah is, um, Isaiah is given a word from the Lord to say, um, and he's, he's pronouncing the oracles of the Lord. John chapter uh, 12, verses 39 to 40. To have your Bibles with you, you really need to look this one up. John chapter 12, verse 39 to 40, cites Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10. And after citing Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10, goes on to tell us Isaiah said this because he saw him referring to Jesus. So this is a good example where the Bible tells us that Isaiah in the Old Testament, when he claimed he saw Yahweh, when he claimed he was saw the, the one who sat uh, and the one whom the angels are closing uh, their, their, their faces, hiding their faces, uh, and are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's Jesus they were seeing. That's Jesus Isaiah saw. So it's amazing how you find that uh, there's so many passages, uh, even in the, the New Testament says that Jesus appeared in the Old Testament. And I think that Marcus, those are, those are ones that we should take note of. Although, the pre-incarnate appearances are typically the ones associated in Genesis where Jesus appeared to the patriarchs. All right. Uh, um, let me see. Dago Adelaideano. I do apologize if I just butchered that, your name. Uh, he's, you, he's, thank you for your comment. You said that after Matthew 1, 18, that's, that section, bunch of divine claims. You yeah, you, you, you definitely are right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that uh, there's lots of divine claims right after that. Um, John chapter 10, verse 33, the Jews slammed. Uh, you said that the Jews uh, claim it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Uh, and of course, the word make yourself God here is not, you know, it's not that Jesus is claiming I am God. He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be divine. Remember, that's how John uses the word God. Um, yeah, this is a good example of where Jesus's opponents are accusing him of that. It's like I said, it's funny that Jesus's opponents would not disagree with me tonight if they were here. Uh, yeah, so, oh yeah, and this is, a, this is a good one. Oh yeah, this is a good one to go back to Stephen's question. Thanks, uh, Slam, for bringing this to me. Uh, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus claims to have authority over all the world. Let me add one more interesting fact here. Not only does Jesus have authority over all the world. Specifically, he says, I mean, remember, let's go back to Matthew 1. You will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is a prophecy about Jesus. And Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, says this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah says, that the, the virgin will be with child. You will call his name Emmanuel. And Isaiah adds and explains to us what Emmanuel means. God with us. And when you go to the passage that Slam just brought up, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, what is the final, final phrase of the Gospel of Matthew? 
It's Jesus' saying. What is the last thing that Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew? I am with you always. What, what, what was Matthew saying in Matthew chapter 1? He is, he's going to call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Before Jesus is born, the last phrase of the Gospel of Matthew is, I am with you always. Can you see how Jesus is the God with us? So just looking at the first chapter of Matthew and the last phrase of Matthew, and you put that together, you find the deity of Christ again. And this is why I was saying to Dr. Stephen Boyce, it's really hard uh, to pick which one I would go to. There's just an abundance of them uh, to go to. Thank you. Uh, slam again for that one. Uh, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's another passage that, uh, that's the one I was referring to earlier. Anyway, thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, which, which is really interesting as well, Joel. Thanks for bringing that up. Because if it says that you shall worship the Lord your God and only him should you serve, why was Jesus worshipped as a baby? Right, isn't that a good question to ask? If, if that's what the Gospel of Matthew is saying, why is Jesus worshipped as a baby? Because he's God. He's the Lord, their God. Um, it, it's easy to defend the deity of Christ once we get our definitions sorted out. Thanks, Navin, for your comment. Uh, why did the Jews call Jesus Yeshu uh, when he is called Yeshua? Uh, yeah, so uh, Yeshu is, uh, I guess you're referring to the Babylonian Talmud, uh, Sanhedrin 43a, I believe where the Jews referred to Jesus as Yeshu. I mean, some apologists uh, dispute whether that's actually a reference to Jesus. I know that Jonathan McClatchy has some doubts uh, on whether that's, uh, that's a reference to Jesus, but uh, I think it does. It is a reference to Jesus. And I think the reason why they called him Yeshu is because it is part of the damnatio memori, which is the damnation of the memory of someone. Uh, they, they hated Jesus and they were going to use the derogatory term instead of using the word Yeshua, which is a reference to a, a man who succeeds Moses in the Old Testament. Remember in the Old Testament, Moses could only see the promised land from afar. He could not enter the promised land. But Yeshua, Joshua, is the one that takes them to the promised land. Side note, guys, before Joshua does that, he crosses the Jordan River. Just saying, uh, just like Jesus did. Uh, he begins with the Jordan River, and that's where he begins his ministry. But yeah, that's, I think, one of the reasons why the Babylonian Talmud doesn't use the term, uses the word Yeshu for Jesus is um, because I think they were trying to use a derogatory term and not use the word, or use the same name as Joshua in the Old Testament. Yeshua is Joshua and Jesus is the Greek rendering for Yeshua. It's Jesus in the Greek, Joshua in the Hebrew. It's the same name. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, Oh, yeah, I think Slam as well pointed that out, really. Uh, well, yeah, that's Jesus in Hebrew. All right, guys, is there, are there any other questions that you guys want addressed? Uh, we do still have about time for one last question, if there is. Uh, are there anyone's going once, going twice? All right, it seems that we are out of questions. We really are glad that you were able to join us, guys. Thank you so much once again. We do try to keep it within the 40-minute mark, and I think we're about five seconds now from that. It's a good time to wrap up and close. Uh, once again, if you haven't subscribed to Explain International's YouTube channel, you can do that by hitting the red button. On Friday, uh, which is uh, in, well, uh, on Friday night in the U.S., uh, you're going gonna to be having John Beasley from Explain International uh, presenting uh, the
from his so his show, his series, uh, Old Testament Conundrums. That's really, really amazing stuff where he deals with the prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. And on Mondays, don't forget Monday nights, US time, Tuesday morning, Malaysian time, uh, and uh, Asian time, essentially, for those of us who live in Asia, uh, you will find uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Boyce's program, Facts. Uh, the last one he did in facts, Dr. Stephen Boyce was really, really amazing. Uh, he, he described uh, the Gospel of Matthew, why you have internal evidence. It points to the text collector's account. You, you really don't want to miss facts, guys. Uh, so I do recommend you stay tuned for those. And as always, uh, you can always reach out to us uh, on Explain uh, International if you do have any questions or comments or if there's anything we can help you with, do feel free to comment down below. We'll try to respond or write to us email uh, or email us. Uh, we'll be happy to get uh, speak to you and help you uh, in any way that we can. Till next time, guys. Hope you've enjoyed this. Bye. -bye.